When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guests on the horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the horn. Hook them up, indeed. We are eight days to the start of the Longhorn football season. High school football season opened last night. How about the route in the Taco Shack Bowl? That was mm. not close. Great That's game nice. out of Burger Center last night, though. Mm. Bowie and Vista Ridge. We'll get you details. Also, Rangers losing streak now at seven, yet what they're is... still in first place in the AOS. What does that tell you? Mm. Barely hanging on. They're hanging on. And now we got all these people that are going to watch the Tommy Lee video from the uh, Motley Crue <laughs> concert in El Paso last night. It's worth the watch. It's not going to take you long at all. I just saw the Tommy Lee video on Twitter. Man, his wife. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's not safe for work. So if you did work, yeah. you probably don't need to do it. Don't get yourself in trouble. All right. Also got a text from a good friend that says, It's dangerous to turn on a show <laughs> in the middle. Got my car turned on your show. First thing I heard was Rod say, When you flash, I need a little jiggle. <laughs> I was talking about the ladies, uh, by the way, that flashing, because uh, Tommy Lee was encouraging all of his uh, his the concert goers. To well, we can't play it because there's too many, some, uh, some. too many. Yeah, it's because it's too much profanity. But, but he came out behind his drum kit and said, we've been playing for an hour, and I still haven't seen any. No, any flashing, man. Come on, ladies. Can you see some of this video? Show me show me something. He, this is a guy that's used to, yeah, used to ladies. He's Tommy Lee. Yeah, they, they basically show their excitement, all right, by flashing him. This is a Motley Crue concert, y'all. And uh, he got it. But you know what I, like, what I appreciate about Tommy Lee is that because some of the guys out there with their women, you don't want your woman flashing somebody when she's with you. All right? You, you seem like a little disrespectful. So in order to make the men feel a little bit more comfortable with their ladies flashing him at the concert, he brought his woman out on stage to show them how to flash. And then she gave, she uh, her flash was perfect. It was perfect technique, everything. Got a little jiggle in there. Boom. Laid it out. And it shouldn't you know, last more than, what, what's the flash? Ten seconds? Uh, three. See? Yeah, ten seconds would be too Quick long. Quick and easy. There you go. Quick and easy. Quick and easy. Three seconds. There you go. Boom. Beautiful thing. So, Built shops for to Tommy and power. <laughs> and comfort. And comfort. <laughs> hey, let's get to the headlines and we'll talk some sports. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Equipment Rentals. We start with Texas football. Yeah, an injury now for the Longhorns. Really the first significant injury we've heard of for the Longhorns in their training camp as they head into their mock game tomorrow. Steve Sarkeesian called it a dress rehearsal that they will do tomorrow at the stadium. But word the junior linebacker Maurice Blackwell suffered a knee injury. He's going to miss up to a month. First reporting came from a good source. His mother posted it on Facebook that the junior from Arlington had hurt his MCL. He'll be out two to four weeks. Texas then confirmed the report. Blackwell's been competing for with senior linebacker David Benda. 
and the true freshman Anthony Hill for that starting position at the Will linebacker spot. NFL Week 3 of the preseason opened last night. Pair of games in Atlanta. Falcons played none of their starters, and uh, the Steelers did. Kenny Pickett led a pair of scoring drives. Steelers blanked the Falcons 24-0. Colts topped the Eagles 27-13. Also yesterday and last night, uh, or before the games last night, the Arizona Cardinals made three separate trades. They sent the former top 10 pick, eighth overall in 2020, the Isaiah Simmons, to the New York Giants for a seventh-round pick. Cardinals then moved third-year offensive tackle Josh Jones to Houston uh, and then acquired quarterback Josh Dobbs from the Cleveland Browns. High school football season opened last night in Central Texas. According to the UIL, the earliest start date, the August 24th start date, earliest in nearly 50 years, Anderson Wallet McCollum in the Taco McCallum in the Taco Shack Bowl, 42-0. Also in the uh, Great Battle Out East, Maynard topped LBJ, 39-26. Crockett rolled past San Antonio Highlands at the Alamo Dome, 42-0. In the Burger Stadium, Bowie and Vista Ridge went to overtime. Raiders scored on their first possession of OT and then got the stop. They beat the Bulldogs 21-14. Major League Baseball, Texas Rangers losing streak now seven games. They fell in the first game of their four-game set in Minnesota, 7-5. to five. Bullpen again a problem. The surging Seattle Mariners, meanwhile, uh, were off but still pulled into a second-place tie with Houston in the ALS. That's because the Astros got clobbered yesterday afternoon by the Red Sox. 17-1. to one. Red Sox rack out 24 hits in that game. They split that four-game series. Houston's going to open a series in Detroit tonight. Seattle at home to the Royals. Rangers continue their series with the Twins. At Dell Diamond, Round Rock, their win streak snapped at 14 straight. They fell to Salt Lake 4-3 to three in 12 innings. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Uh, real quick, before we get back to uh, some of the other big topics of the day, got to throw this out there. Um, Steve McMichael, Steve Bam Bam Mongo. McMichael, lifetime Longhorn. He's been dealing um, with some medical issues. <clears throat> and most Longhorn fans know that, battling ALS. Oh. He has been named as a senior finalist for the Hall of Fame. Cool. His wife claims that she's like, he's sticking around, essentially, because he wants that honor. Hey, you know, like he's on it. He's in his last days, of course. Um, but she she she's like, he's he's sticking around because he wants that honor. Um, and it means a lot to him. And he's one of three uh, senior finalists. That's like a different group altogether. And it's him. Um, I believe it's uh, Steve McMichael, Art Powell, uh, who's a wide receiver for the Jets, and Randy Gratishar. Ooh, uh, Ohio State. Oh, so you know him. Okay. And uh, from what uh, the research that I've done, uh, to get elected to the Hall of Fame, uh, Steve McMichael must garner 80% of the vote from the 50-member selection committee. Uh, next year, since 2010, in years in which there have been a maximum of three senior finalists, which there are right now, all 21 senior finalists have been inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, since 2010. The last time a senior finalist failed to gain entry was Clyde Humphrey in 2009. So if it holds, uh, looks like Mongo might get in, at least what, if, the trend, if the trend holds. And that would be great for him and his family. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, and that's an amazing story. He's, ALS is the it's I mean, it's it's hard to say what are the worst of yes. the, uh, the, yeah. the ailments, but yeah. man, in terms, yeah, I agree. It's uh, a, it's a horrible way to watch your loved ones pass on. Yeah, well, and uh, it's been really tough. So he's essentially been dealing with that, and they are making plans for him to pass. But his wife, um, she Misty, um, she said it's the call. Um, that Misty McMichael said has kept her husband, Steve Mongo McMichael, going for the last couple of years, That's waiting amazing. for that Hall of Fame call, she claims. Amazing. 
Yeah. So there good, you go. Good stuff right there. Yep. Yeah, uh, by the way, I, I called the uh, the Vista Ridge Raiders. I called them the Raiders <clears throat> or the Rangers. The Rangers. Rain? Oh, the don't, Rouse don't, the get Raiders. it right. Rouse yep. of the Raiders. Ooh, don't don't mess that up. Sorry about that. <laughs> Vista Ridge Rangers beat the Bowie Bulldogs last night in overtime. Good football game. Oh, uh, man. Come uh, on, Bowie. That's my. That's like my that's your zone school. That's the neighborhood school, man. Coach, Coach Abel yeah. does a good job with the Four, Bowie Bulldogs. 14 all into overtime and uh, okay. good, good good battle. Uh, the, the Rangers of Vista Ridge won that ball game. Yeah. Uh, but good stuff this morning. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain. Also at the bottom of the hour, it would be halfway through our five hours, five hours every day. Austin's only local morning sports conversation here on Ian Rod B., uh, we'll get you at the turn. That'll be uh, the tour championship where Scotty Scheffler was in, was cruising along, and then hit hit the bumps. Man, hit the bumps yesterday. We'll get you the update. And Colin Morikawa shot sixty one. Shot sixty one. Mm. Details to come. Yeah, on the tour championship. So that stroke, that stroke advantage that he got didn't last long. Huh? Yeah, behind the burn orange curtain, we'll get the uh, the Maurice Blackwell situation. Pretty good source, Rod. His mom. Yeah, mom went to Facebook and said, "Hey." Pray, pray for, pray for this, pray for the kid, but he's going to be okay. Uh, yeah, she said out, out two to three weeks or something like that. He'll she said be back. two to four, two to four weeks, something like that. So the first month of the season, and we'll get to that because honestly, that brings a lot of clarity. It's unfortunate for the young man, of course, um, but he will be back. But it brings clarity on, for Longhorn fans about the depth chart at that position, that will linebacker spot opposite uh, Jalen Ford, and you go look at the, you know, there's another spot, Ethan Burke. Potentially at that uh, defensive end spot opposite Baron Sorrell. Remember, it was him and Justice Finkley battling for that spot. And we still have not necessarily heard um, Sark uh, conclude one way or another who's going to start at the field corner spot. So there's still like three spots that are open, uh, at least have been an open competition, I should say, on that defense. We'll get into how this actually may provide clarity, uh, may define things a little bit more for Texas and for Sark, too. Yeah, we'll do that bottom of the hour after at the turn. Also, Rod, are you going to be watching college football tomorrow? I mean, I'm going to be at the uh, the Gamblers event tonight, so I'm excited about that. What's Checking the most the exciting pro- matchup? Is it the Notre, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame versus Navy? Navy? That's a historical significance. In Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, that's, that's at 1.30 tomorrow. Yeah, I might check that one out just because of the historic, historical significance. Also, I want to see Sam Hartman in that new offense. Me too. I, think I want to see him. In, in Notre, I want to see if he got receivers to throw to. Jaden oh, Greathouse. Be, yeah, exactly. Speaking of flex and uh, yeah. high school football, Jaden Greathouse. As we talked on Central our Texas products in our Horn Top Twenty countdown, we talked to the insider Pete Sampson, and he said they're counting on Jaden Greathouse as a freshman to be a playmaker because the the biggest question for Notre Dame, who plays tomorrow against Navy, is playmaker yeah. receiver. They feel good about their offensive line as always. Quarterback. They have a quarterback who's thrown seventy seven touchdowns the last two seasons at Wake Forest, who transferred in. They've got running backs. They've got a good defense. It's who am who are we throwing to? Who are we throwing to? And Jaden Greathouse needs to come quick. According That's to Pete Sampson. It's a good situation to be in. And we'll get to see that tomorrow. Also, the number six team in the country, USC, is in action. They're going to play San Jose State. Our no. first chance to see Caleb Williams. No. No, thank you. That's, yeah, that's 7 o'clock. I mean, do I want to watch the Harlem Globetrotters face the Washington Generals? No, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. It's on the Pac-12 network. Where is that? Exactly. I won't be able to find it Can anyway. Can I find that? <laughs> what happened? Where does that at? Yeah. I don't see it. No, we're good. Uh, we're good also, FIU, Louisiana Tech, UTEP. Speaking of El Paso, they're going to play Jacksonville State at uh, in Jacksonville, Alabama. Ohio plays San Diego State out in San Diego. UMass, New Mexico State, that is your schedule. To, Hawaii yeah. and Vanderbilt in mm. Nashville. Uh, yeah, I don't know if any of those are uh, sexy enough for, for me to make How many bets will you make tomorrow, Ty? How many bets on these college football games are you making? Uh, I'll probably bet on the Navy game. 
And you're going to take what? Notre Dame is favored by 20 and a half. I'll take the under and Navy plus 20 and a half. Yeah, just because they're on the road. Uh, and not on the road, just on the road. You're in another country. <laughs> and yeah, There's I, either going to be a lot of points scored or no points scored. Yeah, those, yeah. Those kind of especially with Notre Dame's the questions and uh, the uncertainty about the skill positions for them, too. That's who scores all your points, <laughs> your skill position, guys. I guess, so. yeah, it's kind of like these preseason games. And Navy's get... defense ain't going to be no joke. I bet Navy's defense might be decent. Offense-wise, Navy's not meant to score a lot of points, but defensively, they might be decent. Well, and this is the game, I guess, uh, remember they played last year in, in Ireland. It was the Nebraska-Northwestern game. Remember to start the season mm. the same week, and we got to see Casey Thompson yep. at Nebraska. And, of course, we know that the wheels came off of that Nebraska team. They beat yes, Northwestern they that day. But then Scott Frost did not last the season because he was playing too much golf and not coaching much football. <laughs> yeah, we found that out later. Yeah. So Navy <laughs> Notre Dame in Dublin. That's probably your featured game. Uh, it's one of those you, you tune in to see these preseason games. There were two last night. You're like, okay, is Bijan going to play? No. No, Bijan's not playing. Atlanta played nobody. Like, you go to their stats, you're like, who are these guys? Guys, jabronis, who jabronis. are going to end up getting cut like Rod B. But as we said with Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin said it's hard to box if you don't spar. It's hard to be a boxer if you don't spar. And he played his guys. They played most of the first half. Kenny, Kenny Pickett, Pickett led good. a couple. Of, I mean, George Pickens made a high-point catch down near the goal line, which was sweet. That's why Ryan Clark was saying he's a better athlete than Justin Jefferson. He's a better that? football player, but he just a better athlete because he does some freaky stuff, man. Sick. I mean, freaky he, stuff. His career at Georgia was somewhat derailed by injuries, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, man. Steelers feel like they stole and, and nobody. And you could do the deep dive research, Rod. Nobody over the course of the last 10, 15 years has done a better job of drafting wide receivers and finding them in the middle of the draft that have turned out to be really oh, yeah. good players. I used to uh, compare the Cowboys' uh, lack of drafting wide receivers to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you're right, they always they always draft them after the first round. Right. I think the last one they had in the first round was like, was it San Antonio Holmes they drafted? Remember? San Antonio Holmes remember? out of uh, Ohio State. And remember, they traded him. After he won the Super Bowl MVP, I believe they're like, One of dude, the great Super Bowl yeah, catches of all time. Because he basically wasn't he he wasn't abiding by the the Steeler code. He was acting crazy, wild. That's when they traded Antonio Brown too. Even if they get you as a receiver in the middle to late rounds, and you become their featured wide receiver one, if you start acting wild like a diva wide receiver, man, you well, gone. Antonio, <laughs> you Antonio, gone. Antonio Brown was the best receiver in football. Exactly. <laughs> he starts going like Facetime or Instagram live from the locker room. Doing 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 not doing Thomas like it was at a post game speech. You gone? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, but I think George Pickens will be a really good player, and uh, we'll see. But hey. it's just hard to tell. But I, I do like Tomlin's approach, and as we said earlier, the Steelers know they're playing the 49ers week one. Yeah, and in the 49ers, I don't know if there's a more physical team in, in the NFL than the 49ers. It might they be may, the Steelers. They may be <laughs> in terms of just playing hard-nosed football. But, man, the 49ers gave you that uh, last hour that – Every team that played the 49ers last season lost their next game. Whether they beat the 49ers or not, they all lost their next game. It takes you two weeks that's to recover from playing stat. the 49ers. First team in NFL history that's ever accomplished that. That's a great, great, great gem because I never, I never heard that. But that wow. is, it makes sense. Yeah, you just wear you out with the running game and the D-line. It just wears out your trenches, man, playing the 49ers. I, look, I mean, you played the game, Rod. You went to these training camps. This is where you earned your... Uh, your spots a lot of times on the four teams you played on in the National Football League in this this time of the year, but man, I, I gotta feel like you need. I, I know you don't want to get anybody hurt. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. the it's the worst case scenario to lose a key guy in games that don't matter. I understand it from the coach's side, but yep. I, I'm I'm with Mike Tomlin. It's like you got to spar a little bit. You got to you got to take some punches. 
Nugget, especially when you're playing the 49ers the first game, you better be ready. Yeah. They're going to steamroll over you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, it, the teams that aren't playing anybody in any of these games, I question. I question that. I, I completely understand their their philosophy, but, you know, Mike McCarthy, they're not, they haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. Really. Yeah, Dak hadn't played it all. Even the Jets are going to play Aaron Rodgers for at least one Right, one game. I think he's playing in the the next preseason game, right? For but, the Jets. You know, the argument against what I'm saying is that high schools don't play any preseason game, colleges don't play any preseason. They just show up and play Maybe. week one, and you're expected to be ready to go. Very so, true. Um, That's you know. true. Good point. And the, and the player is probably I know the guys who are big time second contract guys, right? The guys who are making for sure going to make the roster. They probably would agree with you that man, we don't need preseason games. Yeah. Guys like Rod B, <laughs> who are just trying to make a roster that I need film because I don't get enough playing yes. time during the season, those guys would probably argue against it. But uh, And that's most of the NFL, by the way. Or guys like Rod B just trying to make a team and average career is going to be three to five years. Uh, but you're right. Other you know other levels of football, they don't play preseason. And there's a financial element to it for the owners because uh, they get paid. They get paid. They can they can make their own broadcast deals, uh, local broadcast deals for the uh, preseason games, and they get all the money from the preseason games. So the owners, oh, they want preseason. Look, it's really a bad. revenue thing. Yes, they get money. That's what, I think that's what I'm saying. I'd rather just not have a preseason, but I know the NFL won't give that up because not only it's, it's money, man. Not only do they sell their own individual broadcast rights, which is money, mm-hmm. and remember the players aren't getting paid. You don't get paid, yeah. You're, so no less overhead for you. You're not paying <laughs> the players. Yeah. Players don't get paid till the season starts. They get game yep. checks. Yep. We get sti- when, we get a little stipend. Right. Little now, stipend. obviously they got signing bonuses, the, the signing of their contract, things like that. But yeah, for the big time guys who have contracts, for the jabronis trying to make it, right. you may not have that well, type and of signing also, bonus. I mean, look, turn the games on. There, there, there are fans there. The, the, the ticket the, when you buy a season ticket package, it includes your preseason game, mm-hmm. and then the option for the playoffs. Yeah. So they're selling. And by the way, those tickets to preseason games are the same price as the regular season games. Shh, don't tell anybody. They're not, they're not half price. <laughs> don't tell anybody. That. Those aren't preseason <laughs> tickets. So yes, the owners and the concessions. That's always been the you know, uh, the dirty little secret. The, the owners make a mint. They're not that like, not like they're not already billionaires, and they're already making a ton of money mm-hmm. in the NFL. But yes, they make a good amount of money in the yeah. preseason. Well, they're not paying anybody. I'm gonna go do the research and see how much money they make uh, per game oh. in the preseason. I, I mean, obviously, Jerry Jones makes selling the Cowboys oh, rights locally. Come on now, and yeah. well, and the, 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 it's packed. Cowboys fans, they, they they're packed that they'll play Jerry World to see the Cowboys. So concessions and all that stuff, merchandising. Oh man, they make a ton. All right. It's it's cash straight cash homie. I ain't mad at him. Hey, coming back, Rod will take you behind the burnt orange curtain. What the Maurice Blackwell injury means, what that linebacker spot looks like, and what this mock game tomorrow is all about. Also, we'll go at the turn, get you the latest on the tour championship and Scotty Scheffler's struggles yesterday at East Lake uh, went in the water for the first time this year on a par three. Details coming here on Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas Sports. Friday, Friday on the horn, Austin's only local morning sports conversation, five hours each day, five days a week. We roll on. We're halfway through our five hours, Rod. That means we're at the turn. All right. I like it. We played nine. We got nine to go. Halftime, baby. Our outward nine was strong. We're coming home with nine to go until 11 o'clock and a lot to do between now and then, including the number six team in our horn top 20 countdown uh, to wrap up the week. Yesterday was Penn State. We're at number six. Obviously, next week will be the top five. We'll get that in one hour. Also, uh, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain with Rod Babers here shortly. Before the top of the hour, we'll go off the record. But first, at the turn, Tour Championship, top 30 players. And our man Scotty Scheffler was cruising along yesterday. I was watching this on Golf Channel, 
And he got off. Remember, he started at 10 under, right? He was in the weighted scoring system, mm-hmm. started at 10 under. And by the seventh hole, he had been three under par. So he's now he's 13 under. Damn, and you think this guy's killing it. You're like, man, Scotty's going to stretch this bad boy out. Now, earlier in the day, because Scotty was in the last group to tee off since they were the, the final group. And Kalamorikawa, earlier in the day, remember on Sunday when Victor Hovland shot 61 to beat him at the BMW Championship in outside zone. Chicago? In the zone. With that 28 on the back nine, Hovland went like Tiger Woods. Well, uh, Colin Morikawa did that yesterday. He made a, he shot 61. <laughs> he made, what, seven birdies and an eagle. Ridiculous. So he has put himself at 10 under par, which is where Scotty Scheffler started the day. But Scotty's fine, right? He's three under through the seventh hole, and then he fell apart. Bogey eight, oh, par, no. birdie, birdie 10 to come out the back. But then bogey, bogey, par, par, triple bogey at the number 15. The par three hit it in the water. So he played the next eight holes after getting to 13 under. He played the next eight holes in five over. And he finished with one birdie there on 17, but he sh- ends up shooting 71, one over. So he's sitting at nine under. So that lead he had, gone. Vanished. The cushion, over. And, you know, you're thinking about this yesterday, watching them tee off, and you're thinking, well, that's weird that he's going to start at 10 under and then Hovland's at, you know, eight under. But, it, you know, if you're a golfer, Rod, you just treat it like you would be playing the second round. Like, you know, you, if you play four rounds, you're, you may be behind going into Friday, but that's mm-hmm. okay. He's only a couple ahead, a couple ahead. I mean, you just, you know, play the hole in front of you, and that's what Colin Morikawa did. So now it's an absolute race. you got Morikawa at 10 under. You've got uh, Keegan Bradley. How about Keegan Bradley coming strong yesterday? Uh, he is at 10 under as well. Victor Hovland shot 68 mm-hmm. yesterday. Right we said yesterday he's going to run to the first tee box after shooting 28 on the back in Chicago. He shoots 10. He shoots two under, so he's at 10. Scotty Scheffler now trailing three different golfers at nine under. Uh, the, the real headline of yesterday was Rory McIlroy. Uh, if you were watching in the pregame, Rory was struggling with his back. He, something happened to him on, on the range. He was having a hard time getting loose and uh, back injury. He played the whole round yesterday, but shot even par 70. He is still at seven under. But, um, you know, the race for 18 million is underway. And I got to think right now, mm-hmm. um, gosh, how, I, if I had to bet, I would bet on Victor Hovland. Hovland. I was about to say, yeah. I'd bet on Hovland. Yeah. Because he's the one that had the uh, also the strokes advantage right behind Sheffield. He was, he was he, eight under, right? Yeah, he was Sheffler was 10 under to and start. He's already surpassed yeah. Scheffler. But it's a four-round event. Scheffler can regroup. Uh, that's the first time all year Scotty Scheffler's made a triple. Uh, and it's the first time all year he's gone into the water on any hole. Mm. Uh, yeah. So Scheffler, and, and that's been like his, You said his big issue has been putting. Right. That's been his issue. His tee to green game has been immaculate. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he, he got a case of the rights, meaning everything was, was taken off to the right Fearing on him. to the right on him. Yeah, yeah it so happens it, to me all the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Scotty's a big dude. He's big 6'3", and he's got that, that weird... You know, his feet are moving all over the place when he's swinging. He doesn't leave anything in the bag. He, he grips it and rips it. Uh, and he was just, I don't know if he was wasn't finishing or what, but he, he had a case of the rights there through that stretch. But we'll see if he can right that ship today. But uh, those are your leaders. Uh, Adam Shank, Russell Henley at 8-under, Matt Fitzpatrick, Roy McIlroy, John Rahm at 7-under. As we head into today's second round, Scotty Scheffler alone in second place, but now trailing three golfers, including Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland. There is your at-the-turn little golf, little nice. golf chatter. Nice, I like it. I'd like it better if Scotty was playing better, but Scott. Well, it's long, long. I mean, Hoblin's the guy. He just, he's, he's, that dude's playing lock, rock solid golf. The former Oklahoma State Cowboy, Victor mm-hmm. Hoblin. Can I give you one little Victor Hoblin story, then we'll go into your behind the burn orange curtain? Let's do it. How about Victor Hoblin? He won a tournament this year. He had to go to a playoff to win it. And then the next day, 
he was caddying for a teammate at Oklahoma State on an on a amateur event. He, well, as a professional, he was caddying a, for an amateur right. event? Yes. Because that was his had, boy or something? He had promised the guy that he oh, would wow. do it, uh, his buddy. Good for him. And then he wins this tournament. He could have said, man. Bro, I just won the tournament, man. Come on, I, just bro, find somebody else. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm counting my bro. money. Yeah. But, he, but so He's Vic, loyal. He's a loyal so guy. So Victor Hovland showed up, put the bag on his shoulder, and caddied for the guy. That's a loyal guy. That's a good dude. That is a good I dude. I root for Victor Hovland. Yeah. And Scotty Scheffler. Hard to not root for him. Keegan Bradley's been a long timer. And then Colin Morikawa. Former Cal Bear. Hey, can we go to uh, Behind the Burnt Orange Curtain, talk some Texas football? We're eight days to the kickoff. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, I think we should start with the injury uh, to Mo Blackwell, which... As you pointed out, E was uh, bad news was broken on Thanks, Facebook Ma. by mom. <laughs> so it's uh, as good a source as you can get. Uh, he's going to be out for two to four weeks uh, with that injury, and that does you know, define things a little bit more, or at least a little bit better, at that off-ball linebacker spot opposite Jalen Ford at that uh, weak side linebacker because it was a three-man competition between uh, Anthony Hill, David Benda. And Mo Blackwell, Mo Blackwell, he's going to be back with the team, um, but he's no longer available to start the season, so he probably won't be uh, winning that competition. It'll be between Anthony Hill and David Benda. Um, and I think the strategy is going to be for Pete Kwiatkowski and Sark to start David Benda. Because if the old adage, I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe it's just my belief that if I was a coach, if you're a coach and you have a prodigy, all right, we're talking about five-star blue chip prodigy at their position. And prodigies, you always know, if you got a prodigy in school or whatever it may be, whatever uh, different walk of life they're considered a prodigy in, you want to accelerate their development, right? You want to put them on a fast track. That's why you skip them a grade or two, whatever, try to get them challenged on their level. Anthony Hill's considered a prodigy. And usually when you have a prodigy who's even close to the level of play of a veteran player, you go with the prodigy because the veteran player should have a lot of separation between himself and that young player. And if there's not noticeable separation between the two, you go with the young guy because his rate of development and developmental track will eventually surpass that older player. And it probably won't take him long either. It'll probably happen before that season's over. So usually in this situation, you just go with Anthony Hill. But from what I'm hearing, they like what David Bender's doing. They like the way that he's performed so far in practice. Will that translate to the games? Nobody knows yet. This is the way he's looked to the coaches in practice. And whether that translates to the game, that is something that we won't know until time to kick off. But I think what the coaches are going to do is go with David Ben to start at the off-ball linebacker spot, that will, a weak side linebacker, and then situationally, since Sark has already stated on the record, two best pass rushers on the team are Anthony Hill and Byron Murphy. Um, he's going to put Anthony Hill situationally in the most advantageous spots because when they're in your opponents in predictable passing situations and on those third and longs and second and longs, that's when you'll see Anthony Hill doing what he naturally right now does really well, even as a young player, which is just rush the passer. So you'll see him a lot, but maybe just not starting at the off-ball linebacker spot 
while right now you you let a fifth year senior stabilize that place, stabilize that position for you. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. You know, you go with the, uh, the the dependable player who's been in the mm-hmm. system for three years now, fifth year at the program. And we we said before I did uh, on, on my eyes on Texas multicast and video cast that we do each week. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke I spoke to Devontae Tucker Dorsey, mm-hmm. who was a good friend of David Benda, played at Texas last year after transferring in, and said, "Keep an eye on Benda. Keep an eye on Benda. He's got a great attitude." He really is taken to the system. P- PK loves him. Jeff, uh, Jeff Choate, the linebacker coach, mm-hmm. really trusts what he does. And yes, you've got a you know generational kind of talent, Anthony Hill, but he's just not there yet mentally. So you know he hasn't been here that long. Let him wreak havoc. I mean, exactly. I remember when you and you helped recruit De- Derek Johnson to Texas, Rod. Mm-hmm. And when Derek Johnson got here from Waco, Texas, it was just like. Who's that guy? Keep it simple for him. Let, let him run. run after let him the run. Ball. Yeah, let him run. Just go let him get run. the ball. Don't even give him any assignments. Just let him run. <laughs> That's just what they did. That's and what DJ they did. immediately, you saw it. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw it at practice. Oh yeah. It was like, oh. That's different, and that's what you keep hearing from the players. Like, you know, coaches get frustrated if, if you're not assignment sound, mm-hmm. gap sound, you know, fit sound. Mm-hmm. That's what they're coaching, right? That's their job. But there's something, you know. So you got a guy that can do that. Well, then you let Anthony Hill wreak havoc, mm-hmm. uh, right? And that's and as we said, there may be t- teams they play this year, including Alabama week two. The thing about Alabama is you don't know what what their offense is going to look like. Nobody does. You can borrow from what uh, Tommy Reese was doing at Notre Dame, the new offensive coordinator. You probably you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets. You're probably going to see an Alabama team where where they're uncertain a quarterback that's going to maybe go old school with Nick Saban and try to run the football. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's that is going to be a, a conundrum for Texas after the first game for Bama. I forget who they play in the first game. Uh, I, play... I think Nick Saban is going to play all three quarterbacks. I think he's he's right now. I think he's he's trending that way. I think he's trending that way because the last update on his quarterbacks was he wants. Though he wants somebody within that group to separate. Yes, he's like make it make my job easy. Right now, my job is hard because all y'all in the same y'all y'all are right there together. Y'all are right there at the same de- on the same developmental track at the same developmental rate. I need one of y'all to separate from this group and make my job easy. Where I don't even have to 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 name a starting quarterback because it's so damn obvious to everybody that this guy is the starter. That's what every coach wants. Right, that you don't even have to declare because oh everybody knows. That guy's playing better than the rest of these guys. Well, they play Middle Tennessee week one, so you get to see them at least, right? I think you're gonna see all three. And they're well, and they're not gonna show anything versus no, what they're gonna very do. Very vanilla. Because because Texas right now has more continuity than Alabama, right? They might not be better than Alabama, but Texas has the same quarterback from last year. They've got the same all offensive defensive coordinators, all the Special same coaches. Teams too. Five returning offensive line starters. With Texas has the continuity. Now, does that mean they can go into Tuscaloosa and play an Alabama team that's got a new quarterback? New offensive system, new defensive coordinator, which mm-hmm. system is Nick Saban's. Uh, so, but there's also the element of surprise that Nick Saban has. Texas doesn't know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, what do we get? He knows how to game plan for Texas because he's got all the film for the last two years. Yep. He knows Sark really well. He knows Jeff Banks really well. He knows Kyle. He's got the advantage in the game plan here because, like you said, Texas brings back so much, so many, so much continuity. You you don't know how, how Kevin Steele and um, the new offensive coordinator Tommy Notre Dame Tommy Reese you have and then hell we, three different quarterbacks but right I, now are competing I, for that spot. I'm going to predict because of course Nick Saban when he got to Alabama that was the bread and butter right pound the rock play great defense run the ball but over time has has opened it up with Lane Kiffin and then Steve Sarkeesian and all the passing and the receivers yeah yeah well, no this choice. year you look at it and say you know what they may be there's a reason he hired Tommy Reese and if you talk to Notre Dame fans they will tell you Tommy Reese was not. He didn't overwhelm you as a play caller and an offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And he was working with the Ian Books of the world mm-hmm. and quarterbacks like that. 
but you wonder if, if Nick Saban's maybe getting back to basics a little bit. And this is the point of the, the David Benda, you, Anthony Hill, and Jay. We may have three linebackers on the field because they may be two tight ends. There may be, if you want to match up with them, be heavy because they're, you know, got to think Nick Saban's trying to protect a young quarterback against a talented Texas team. Run the ball. And he lost one of the really good running backs. Didn't they have one transfer? Is yeah. it Trey? I forgot his name. Uh, Trey, Trey, Sar- Sa- uh, Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders. Trey, he yeah. went to TCU. 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 Yeah, a lot of people, because Nick Saban said recently, and we'll hear from Nick Saban actually in a second because Ty just pulled something up. He recently said there's only one player that has left via the transfer portal that he actually has had regrets about, that he wishes did not leave, that he wishes could, he could have convinced him to stay. And a lot of people that believe it's Trey Sanders, yeah, the one player that he's talking about that left that he wishes he could have convinced to stay. Okay. So that goes to your point. They might that he maybe wishes he to stay because he wants to go toward more of a running oriented approach offensively, high you know low risk, low reward. Because now with Jalen Miller, one thing he thought, he gets he's careless with the football. He's explosive, but he's careless with the football too. Yeah. Um. Anyway, here's Nick Saban. We got some sound from Nick Saban. Here's Nick Saban when being asked about his quarterback competition right now. Uh, yes, coach. Um. I wonder if there's a downside when you have a, the quarterback position and the players taking a long time to uh, separate themselves and make the decision for you, I guess, way to put it. Yeah, but that's kind of up to them. You know, like I said in here before, you know, I told the quarterbacks, I said, quit looking around for me to make a decision about who's going to play. How about you playing good enough that I don't have a choice? That's what you can control. That's what you can do. And somebody needs to do that. And um, it's sort of, you know, taking shape to some degree, but somebody's somebody's got to do it. And, you know, where you all think that, you know, like whoever we name as a starter for the first game, that's like the end of it. It's not the end of it. It's just the beginning. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. What if a guy doesn't play good? All right, you cut off. Nick's like pausing like he's Jim Rome, apparently. <laughs> the pregnant pauses. He's <laughs> getting dramatic pauses. What basically he's saying is like, hey, uh, I don't necessarily want to have to name these guys because I don't trust any of them right now. I need one of them to separate and make the job easy for me. And even in the season, hey, one of these guys plays bad, I'm going to have to bench him and put in the other guy. That's just well, the reality look, of it. Look, if you're Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, you have to feel like you have a chance to go in there and win that game. Yep. You, you, now, again, it's Alabama. Nick Saban's lost one September non-conference game at Alabama. It's a big, uh, it's a big chore. It's a big one. But you can hear in Nick Saban's voice, he's got some questions about his football team. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. You can tell he he's not totally, he's not totally confident in the most important position. Yeah, which is quarterback. And Texas last year when they had Bryce Young and Will Anderson, two guys who went one three in the draft, who Nick Saban said were the two of the best leaders he's ever had. Ever had. Texas nearly beat them with those guys. Yes, they did. Uh, so that if you're Sark, you have to feel like you can go in there and at least, you know, get 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 the heck out of there with the, and steal a win. But again, uh, a lot of time between now and then, uh, the linebackers and you know, and guy like Anthony Hill could be a factor in that football game. When we get there should be uh, real quick. Uh, the uh, other spots open on defense. Uh, the defensive end spot opposite Baron Sorrell. Um, and you brought this up earlier. It was a competition between Ethan Burke and Justice uh, Finkley. A lot of people believe that Ethan Burke is winning that competition. The Westlake Chaparral, yes, yeah. That, um, uh, pretty cool. So very complimentary well, of him. And Justice Finkley's still a good player, too. All right, we got to eight days to the start of the season. Tomorrow is the mock game, meaning they're going to go through the drill like they would on game day to uh, do a little bit of a dress rehearsal. We'll get you details more on that coming up on Monday. But coming up, we're going off the record, including... I don't know if you saw the Donald Trump mugshot yesterday, Rod. Donald Trump's Ooh, mugshot. It's going to be a famous one. I got a question for you. 
I got a quick. Are you buying this? Bullish or BS? I'll get you that coming back. Okay. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry. Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get it. Bring the income. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Never sucks on off the record <laughs> stories that maybe you miss, stories oh, yeah. you need to know about. And I'll start with this, Rod. I don't know. I mean, this is not a political show. We don't do political affiliation we don't get stuff. Into that, no. Whoever you vote for is who you vote for. Exactly. Show business. And you could be on this side or that side. God um, bless you. As long as you, hey, as long as you listen to the show, consider yourself a member of yeah, this we family. We're good. Yeah, we don't, uh, we don't judge into your religion or your politics. You know judge. what I'm saying? No, I mean, we, we talk football and, you know. <laughs> Tommy Lee and <laughs> breasts and flashing, yeah, and no. uh, and and and, and Pivo Piscuits. These Pivo are Pisc- our topics that we get yes. into. But whoever you vote for, it's fine. <laughs> whatever your stance on our former president Donald Trump and current Republican frontrunner, whatever your stance on him, uh, everyone has a strong opinion either way on him. Yes. But does anybody believe he was he was indicted? Of course, he's been indicted, and he was uh, he turned himself in, and he has a mugshot. It's a famous mugshot now. Now a famous mugshot, but apparently. When turning himself in, he self-reported his weight at 215 pounds. Yeah, they don't weigh you when you when you nah, like, go scale. to jail or something. They, I guess they just ask you. <clears throat> they do your height though, don't Fulton they? Fulton County Sheriff's Office. They do the you height because you your height. You can bet on this. You can bet on. You could. There was a bet. There was a over under on his weight that I saw. But when the, he was that, but the weight, the actual weight, or the weight that he was going to report. He reported in at 6'3", 215 pounds. Yeah, that's not wherever you stand real. on Donald J. Trump. And his politics. Mm. What you buying that? No, that's impossible. I believe he's six three. He's definitely like two hundred and seventy pounds. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, he's probably closer to three hundred pounds. I've seen him when his when he when he tucks his shirt in and plays golf. No. And looks like a burrito. (laughs) He is not two fifteen. Let's start let's let's go with some athletic comparisons. Bryce Harper is six three between two ten and two fifteen. Yeah. Bryce Harper. So basically think think your mind right now, this Donald Trump, President Trump, looked like Bryce Harper. He definitely thinks in his in his head he thinks he does. Yeah, there's, there's like this reverse dysmorphia <laughs> going on, right? There's like this body dysmorphia going on. Maybe he sees himself as Bryce Harper-like. And it's like, oh, President Trump, you, no, not that's not the case. So maybe you're right. Maybe he sees himself differently than he actually I'll give is. you one. Matthew Stafford, quarterback, L.A. Is Rams, 6'3", 220. Exactly. So does he look like Matthew Stafford is the question. Not even close. <laughs> uh, C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Houston Texans, 6'3", 217. Mm, doesn't look like him. Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad Ali in his prime was 6'3", 215. <laughs> Muhammad Ali in his Cassius prime Clay? was 6'3", 215. Float like a butterfly? Yeah, they, exactly. President Trump does not float like a butterfly. <laughs> not even close. He might sting like a bee. He might sting like a bee, but no. Derek Carr, quarterback of the uh, New wow. Orleans Saints, 6'3", 215. <laughs> he's a skinny dude. Yeah, these guys look. I mean, have you seen Derek Carr? He's Derek just, Carr's jacked now. Okay, but he's two fifteen. Most exactly. They, these guys are great athletes in prime condition. Yes. And President Trump, whatever you think of his politics, he is definitely not in great shape. We know that. 
None of our presidents have been Come in the Come on, man. <laughs> the truth of it, but still. Pull my other leg. Why would he why would we why would they allow him to do this? Why would they allow him to put that? I need number him on out a scale. There? I need to know. Because we all know he it was on purpose. Be, huh? He did it on purpose. To just all, to distract us from yeah, what, what's talking the real, about what's the real story. Yeah, so that's, that's all the media does. Yeah. Distract us. That's a smart move because I guess we're talking about the too. weight now. I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm going 265. I'd go over. I'd go over. Really? Yeah. Kay. Yeah. He looks, that's heavy. That, like, he's a dude, he's 6'3. He's got room for it. Dude, we live in a. <laughs> Just, seriously, you, like I he, mean, Trump hasn't been two fifteen since the seventies. <laughs> Come on, man! And he's is he how, is he actually six three? We believe he's tall, six three. We believe that. I yeah. think that's a little okay. Inflected. I don't it know. Might Have be you seen too. his son? So, so if he's six, six three, there's a lot of room for weight. You can put a lot that's of true. put a lot of weight on six three, man. A lot of it. We just used to seeing muscle because we see it on athletes all the time. Hey, Rod, what do you have in well, off the Obama record, my friend? I'm sorry not to make it political, but whatever your side of the aisle, no one's believing that. Sorry. No. I I kind of want to stay on this. <laughs> 215. Like, why not just say 235, 240? Why do we go 215? 215? 230, maybe. This was yeah. a, you, you could probably fudge that a little bit. Everybody wouldn't believe it, but 215? 215? Dude, that, that means you're in great shape. <laughs> you're not in great shape. Come on, man. Uh, somebody said Trump could be T.Y. in the 40. Come on! That was Jamie Frazier. <laughs> Jamie Frazier. <laughs> Jamie Frazier. Come on, Jamie. <laughs> uh, all right. You know what? Yeah. I was going to get to something, but we got, we, we'll get into it later on. Apparently, uh, Drake might have cursed Shohei. That's another thing that people are tracking on the interwebs. He started wearing a Shohei jersey, and ever since then, Shohei's had bad luck. He had the hand cramp and the arm fatigue, and he missed a start and, and has... Had some injury issues now, and people believe that uh, it all goes back to when Drake wore his jersey. Oh, curse. Um, yeah. At the beginning of August, Drake put Drake donned a Shohei jersey, and Shohei's had some uh, bad luck since then. Somebody the Drake said, curse uh, might be real. The Drake curse. How much do you guys weigh? Rob, what are you, what, what are you weighing in at these days? Uh, probably 182, somewhere like that, like 182. That's one, how much I weigh. Yeah, Todd? something like that. Yeah. Last time I stepped on the scale is 199, 198. I wish I weighed that much. The most, the most I've ever weighed in my life is 210. Yeah, the most I've ever weighed is probably 205. That was muscle. Though. Dang. Yeah, my freshman year, I was a nickel playing against Nebraska, running the triple option, and uh, they well, said the, I should gain some weight. A, and you had a 12-pack. Uh, yeah, I did uh, back then, Adams, man. like Zeke mm-hmm. Elliott was jealous. He's playing, baby. Someone says he's not 6'3", either. I don't think so. And oh, you know what? Damn. The word is that he, after we had our at the turn, he and Clinton are the two biggest golf cheaters that have ever been. Oh, are they really? Are they yeah, like Kim Jong Un? They just golf lie cheater. about holding ones. Like if you play golf, all you want is come on, man. We're just playing golf. What are you cheating for? Ego. Well, Ego. he cheats at everything. All right, we'll be back. <laughs>